to Totalis Rankium. This week, John Six. You heard it right, Six. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob, and this is episode 164. And that's right, it's John 6. Do not adjust your podcast playing device, however you do that. If it's got a dial on it, don't touch it. If it's just one of those touch screen ones, don't touch the screen, because that's right, it's John 6. We've not done John 5 yet. No, can I I ask a question that I think some of our listeners will be thinking? Yes, you will. Ones that are like me. Yes. WTF? Well, we'll get there. We'll get into it. It's John 6, not John 5. For reasons that will become clear, Jamie, we are going out of order. We're doing 6 before 5. This is weird. I don't like it. I am sure by the end of the episode, in fact, probably fairly quickly, you will agree with me that this is the best order to do it. But I like my numbers sequential. I like them sequential, but I also quite like the fact that 164 episodes in and so close to the end... The Empire just throws up something just to mess with us. Hopefully, you remember, Jamie, the last episode when Andronicus III and his trusted advisor, John Kant, yes, he had were the hanging around. Name. Yes, yes. Cantacuzinos, or Cantacuzine. I did toy with the idea of, like, going, oh, is he going to become Emperor or not? And then revealing that he's actually John VI. But you know what? Things get confusing enough. I'm not going to do that. John <laughs> John Kant, who we were calling John Kant last time, is John VI. And uh, okay. you'll, you'll see why. Okay? Yeah. And if you also remember last episode, Andronicus III died suddenly, didn't he? Yes. Like a stone. Uh, yes. Stones are known for dying quickly mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly. Yeah. And he left a child, John V, behind. And his trusted friend, John Cantacuzinos, John John Six, stepped up, took the reins, just to help out, of course. I shall help the Empire. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Well, so this is why it's John Five and John Six. John Five instantly, at the speed of monarchy, becomes (laughs) John Five. And then John Six goes, I'll help out. And then we'll see why it's John Six later on. Okay? Just so (gasps) it's. The speed of monarchy is faster than the speed of light because that's instant. Light has to travel. Yes, it is. It's like everywhere in the universe at the same time, King Charles became King Charles. Doesn't matter where you are, it happened everywhere all at once. I am almost certain it's Terry Pratchett that I got that from. It (laughs) might be Douglas Adams. But I think it's Terry Pratchett. You could have taken all credit for that. Oh, I should, totally should have done. But I know some listeners will be going, I know where that comes from. And then they'd have got in the Pratchett police. Yeah, don't want don't to ma- mess with the auditors anyway. Detritus! <laughs> so, anyway, let's actually get into the episode now. I've explained why we're doing six and not five. We start in 1292 or, Jamie, 1295. Do you have a preference? Uh, I like the signing as 1292. Two. Cool, that's when we're going to start. That's when he cool. was definitely born. Not later. No. Nope. He's born. He's born into a rich and prominent family. Uh, the family had been part of the powerful, probably for a couple of hundred years by this point. When John was a baby, his father dies. Uh, Didn't think to check his name. Uh, let's call him Bill. So Bill Cantacuzinos was the governor in uh, the southern part of Greece for a while. Uh, but he dies when John is very young, or, Aww. according to one source, and this is why the dates are different, a year after his father died. Right. Yeah, which uh, I hope it's that one. <laughs> that, that'd be more fun. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
That's the uh, 1295 date. I'm assuming it means the next calendar year and it was within nine months. Possibly, yeah. It literally is just someone going, no, his father died last year. (laughs) I'm messing this up for everyone. Yes. Anyway, he's born. That's what I'm trying to say. His mother is called Theodora, as many women were called. And she raised him, and by all accounts, she was quite the lady. She was apparently very intelligent. She knew what she was doing. And she got involved in politics, and she wasn't afraid to grab an oar off the off the display on the wall and just sort of stick it in when needed. Where? Yeah. Just in in the gears of bureaucracy. Oh. Yes, oh, don't worry. Not someone she's arguing with, fair enough. No. <laughs> don't actually know much about John's uh, childhood, which is interesting, because if you remember from last episode, we have John's account. We have a personal account from him, which is why this episode's going to be quite long, because he's one of the very rare emperors where we've got him as an actual source. Uh, but we don't actually know much about his childhood. Well, I guess it's tricky when you're young, you know, when you've just been born to start noting down everything. Yeah, day one, day point. one of life. Bright lights, it hurts. <laughs> uh, the first major thing we know of is when Theodora arranged a marriage for her son. And this was the granddaughter of the Tsar of Bulgaria, who was in need of a husband. Uh. Yeah, so as you can see, Theodora is like involved in politics if she's arranging marriages with the granddaughter of the Tsar. Well, yeah. Anyway, her name was Irene, obviously, because everyone's called Irene. Uh, and they married when John was about 23 years old. And we know that... By this point, he was well-known in the royal court in Constantinople. He had a minor title, uh, but nothing major. It's, it's... <laughs> it's more sad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no flat and third. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> People will walk past him in the corridor and just go, oh, but sounds good. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, what was special is that he, around this age, so probably in his uh, late teens, early 20s, struck up a friendship with the grandson of the old emperor, Andronicus III. We don't get stories, unfortunately, but there are hints that the two were bad for each other. If you remember in Andronicus's episode, when he was young, he was really into drinking and gambling and sleeping around. Ray! Yeah, Yeah. and accidentally murdering his own brother. So he was getting up to all those shenanigans. Well, uh, we can only assume that uh, John was involved as well, because at the age of 25, the old emperor, Andronicus II, ordered John out of the capital. Get out. Now, according to John, this was to give him a job. He was going to go and govern part of southern Greece. But uh, in reality, this could well be just get away from my grandson. You were a bad influence on him. Yeah, that's uh, what he told his friends. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being this, uh, this envoy. That I'm, I'm in this land in Greece. The emperor sent me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, until he was with his close-knit group of friends. And they were all yes. wearing leather jackets. And then he's just leaning against the wall, smoking a cigarette, saying, yeah, emperor couldn't hack it. I'm too <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. Just my ideas were too out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, he tries to get out of this appointment. He doesn't want to go to southern Greece to govern. It's out of the way, out of the politics, out of the loop. It's not what he wants to do. Uh, but he was able to claim that the position would be too much for him, too emotional for him. Because after all, is that not the very province in which my father died? Oh, yeah, he said, putting his hand to his forehead, yeah. looking weak, staggering, clutching people <laughs> near him. Uh, the emperor went for this, apparently. It's like, oh, okay, fair enough. That's a good point. <laughs> That's some damn good acting there, yes. <laughs> yeah. Can't possibly send you to the area that your father died in 20 years ago. Obviously not. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? Why don't you go and rule Thessaly for a bit? There's a region. Off you go. Go and, go and rule there. Yeah, okay. 
that, that's a bit better. That's much weather. closer to the capital. Um, he'd be more in the loop. He realizes he's being chased out of the capital. He might as well go there. Now, like I just said, there is a lot of information on John 6. If you listen to this episode and you want more, go and go and look into it. There is loads, and this is one of the few episodes in the Roman series where I'm going to have to leave stuff out. Now, because this is going to be a packed episode, what I'm going to do is really skim the stuff that I covered last, just to give you a recap. So this is the civil war between Andronicus II and his grandson Andronicus III, which John right. played a huge part in, but I'm skimming over it because we've already talked about it. So Can you here's... do it in ten words or less? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not, but I am going to be recapping. So, here we go. Andronicus III, after accidentally killing his brother, fled Whoops. to where John Catechizinos was. Hmm. Now, John, the heir, and a few others decided they were going to coup. They were going to get rid of the old man. And Andronicus III was going to be in charge. If you remember, tensions grew, and in the end, the empire was split between grandson and grandfather. We don't know exactly what John Kant's role was in all this, but we can assume it was an important one. Because by the end, he was appointed as grand domestic of the entire Roman army. Not under one of the emperors, under both. Which, when you're on the brink of the civil war is a very important position. Not only is he clearly doing well because of this position, but we also have a quote from Andronicus II here. Now remember, this is the man who ordered him out of the city just a few years before. Apparently he said, If I were to die without an heir, I would advise the Romans to adopt this man as their emperor. Talking about John Cantacuzinos. Who, moi? Moi? So even (laughs) though he's busy mates with Andronicus III, and Mm. they were very tense and fighting against Andronicus too. Apparently even Andronicus too could see that actually this guy knows what he's doing. He's effective. Yeah. Now, over the next couple of years, as we saw, tensions rose yet again between the two emperors. What I didn't cover, however, was the fact that the Bulgars and the Mongols were causing trouble on the northern border around this time. And it was John, obviously in charge of the armies, to go and sort it out which he did. Uh, Soon after, and I mentioned this last time as well, uh, Andronicus III, the grandson, wanted to go and sort out the Ottomans. Remember the Ottomans are now nearby? Uh, The chairs or the group of people? The group of people at this point. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-metamorphosis. Yes. They're they're very small at this point, but they are causing problems. And Andronicus III wants to sort it out. Andronicus II says, no, you're an emperor. Instead, Mm. we'll send John. So, John goes and he wins some skirmishes, but ultimately uh, he fails, because this is where Bruza fails. Remember, that was one of the last cities in Anatolia. Yes. Uh, Then, John and his best friend Andronicus III go back to plotting against the old emperor. And, (laughs) as covered, they were able to get into the city and force the old man to abdicate. Andronicus III becomes the emperor in 1328, and John, who is in his early 30s by this point, is now the right-hand man to the emperor. In fact, some people saw him as the power behind the throne. Remember, there was even talk that Andronicus III offered him to become joint emperor. But John says no. I, I, I could never. Oh, couldn't, no, no. couldn't possibly. Oh, no. <laughs> but what he does do is he starts hoovering up responsibilities. Yeah, not because he's trying to show off, just... No. You know. This is before they had electric hoovers, so he had one of those pushy-pulley oh, yeah. rotisserie things. Ooh. But he was doing that over the responsibilities, collecting over the them entire up. empire. Yeah. Uh, not only was he in charge of the armies, he was now in charge of the treasury and the tax collection. Oh, yeah. What? Some spare cash? Wonderful. Yes. And various other duties as well. I mean, he is pretty much running the show whilst mm. Andronicus III is having his um, 
his fun at the games and hunting. Now, there's a difference between being in charge of all the troops, the money and the tax when you're fighting on one side in a minor civil war, compared to being in charge of the troops, the money and tax when you are controlling the whole empire, which they're now doing. So, John decides this is too much for him. He's going to pass the finance part of his job to someone else. Only very briefly mentioned this person last time. Uh, make a note of him because it gets a little bit name heavy this episode and you need to know who this guy is. This Bradley. is not Bradley. It's Apokokos. Apokokos. Apokokos, maybe? Apokokos? Apokokos. A-P-O-K-A-U-K-O-S. I'm going to go for Apokokos. Apokokos was a low-born uh... man who had risen through the bureaucratic ranks of the Empire and found himself in the perfect position to help Andronicus III and John Cantacuzenos coup against the old Emperor. Yeah. So he's just hanging around, basically. Now, John saw something in Apokaukos, and he made sure that Apokaukos rose further, and he became John's protégé. And at this point, he was given the treasury to look after. So you've got Emperor in yeah. charge, Andronicus III. Yeah. You've got John right-hand man power behind the throne, and underneath mm-hmm. him, you've got Apokalkos. Yes. Yeah. Like I said before, things are very good for John Kant at this point. This is around the time that he was offered the joint emperorship, which he turned down. Uh, the reason why he turned it down, by the way, is he feared that that would put a target on his back. People would be unhappy, and they might try and kill him. Uh, he wasn't being paranoid, by the way, because he did have some enemies, and some were very close to hand. To begin with, Andronicus's wife. This Uh-oh. is... <laughs> yes, very close to hand. This is Anna of Savoy, or Anna of Sausage, as we called her last yes. time. Yes. Yes, her. yes, Anna of Sausage did not like the influence that John had over her husband. Fair enough. Didn't like her at all. Not only that, Andronicus's mother was also not a fan. So the two most important women in Andronicus's life hated John. Uh-huh. Also, on top of this, unfortunately, the Emperor's mother also hated, absolutely hated, John's mother, Theodora. So there's a whole, like, family feud thing going on here, but Andronicus and John get on with each other. Unfortunately, the Emperor's mother spent most of her time out of the city, so John didn't need to worry too much about her. It was around this time, by the way, that the Emperor and the Empress have a boy. Hooray! Hooray! There's now an heir. And guess what they call him? John. Yes, John. Mm. This is John V. Is he named after John Cantacuzenos? Maybe. Ooh. Yeah. Ah, oh, mother must have been furious. Well, exactly. You can imagine she wasn't happy. I mean, John is definitely a Paleologos name, so yeah. it is a family name that they used, but maybe it swung it slightly. Then the Ottomans caused some more trouble. If you remember, John and Andronicus III rode out together to face them, but they were defeated. This is where Andronicus hurt his knee and had to limp home, going, damn, damn, my knee. If only I had an Ottoman to sit on, he said. <laughs> yes. Uh, John had to organise the fleeing troops, and remember I told you a couple of his cousins died in this fighting, so it got personal. Yeah. Uh, Then, uh, the Empire pretty much loses everything in Anatolia, and it was decided to pay the Ottomans off to stop them invading. The next thing we covered was the West getting together and deciding that they needed to protect the shipping lanes against the Turks. This is the Papal States, France, Venice, Rhodes, all getting together. We can't trust the Romans to sort out the Turks. We're going to have to do it ourselves. Obviously, Andronicus, fearing this power, decided to reach out to a Turkish emir who had settled in the left of Anatolia. And if you remember, this was a man called Umar. Yes. Make a note of Umar, because he is very important in today's episode. So Umar mm. is the emir of a small emirate on the left of Anatolia. Andronicus 
got on well enough with Uma, but it's John who really gets on with him. Two of them just hit it off like house on fire, apparently. Remember, John described him as like a, a barbarian, but a good one, I believe, was uh, pretty much the quote. Yeah. yeah. I'm not racist, but... <laughs> yes, pretty much. I, I, have a, I, have a friend, I have a barbarian friend. Yeah, exactly. Can't possibly be racist. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you remember, John offered his daughter to Uma for uh, yes. marriage, but Uma came up with the brilliance, but we're brothers now, I couldn't possibly marry her, it would be incest. Which is fantastic. Plus, you only have a son, which is weird. <laughs> well, the, one of the main reasons uh, is for Uma to marry a Christian woman would have not necessarily have gone down too well uh, with, with the people in his emirate. But as we'll ah. see, that's not always the case, as we will Ooh. see later on in the episode. Anyway, they've got Turkish reinforcements now. This is the main mm. point. They've made a friend. They used the Turkish reinforcements. The Emperor and John were able to fight the Albanians, if you remember. Then they used that to take back Epirus the left of Greece. There was a child ruling Epirus at the time called Nikephoros. He was kidnapped by some nobles in the area and they used him as a figurehead to try and rebel against Andronicus taking the area. But it all fell apart. It fell apart because when they took a couple of cities, essentially John went in and used his diplomatic skills to sort it all out. Talking to various leaders of the revolt and just convincing them to surrender. You really don't want to do this. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And it worked. Epirus came back into the empire. Uh, Nikephorus was then engaged to John Kant's daughter, and this time it worked. The two of them were wed shortly afterwards. So that's oh. nice. This isn't the only marriage around this time, by the way, because John had a 16-year-old son, and he was married to a cousin of Andronicus III, so the two families are now wedded in with ah. each other. Yes, John Kant is now formally part of the royal family. Uh, and this is when Andronicus suddenly died. The last time I said it was on the way back to the capital, I have since read in a different source that it was after he came home. But either way, the emperor is dead. I mean, that could have been, the difference could have been a matter of minutes, right? Oh, I mean, yes, it could have been. Could have been. <laughs> difference between, like, reaching for the handle on the golden <laughs> yeah. gate in the to wall. walking through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's dead. Right, and that catches us up. Before we go into today's story, however... It's map time, Jamie. Map time. Because like I say, uh, it, it gets convoluted and you kind of need to know what's going on. Well, you can show me a map, can't you? Yeah. No, you need to draw a map so the listeners oh. can draw one too. Okay. I'm going to describe a map to you and anyone who knows the region is going <laughs> to wince. That's right. Because this is not a map designed for geographical accuracy. This is a map for people to imagine... For simplicity. I remember when we you, tra- you got me to draw a map of Spain, you just asked me to draw a big square. So yeah. Oh yeah, very, very much like that. Um, okay. That's what we're doing. Right. We are essentially drawing the Balkan Peninsula, where Greece is. So here's what I want you to do. Draw a big upside-down triangle. Perfect. If you're playing along at home, well done. <laughs> Assuming your triangle is decent. I mean, if you've drawn a square... Uh, just try again. Right. I'm amazed you turned on the podcast. <laughs> no, Jeff. How have you managed that? That's four dimensions. <laughs> right. Um, in the top right corner, yeah. draw a dot. Okay. That's a city. That city is Constantinople. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Eh? I'll call it Cont. Cool. In the bottom corner, don't go right to the bottom corner, but just go a little bit up the right-hand side on the coast. Here? Yeah. That's, yeah, about there. That's Athens. So near the bottom, but on the right-hand side, that's Athens. You don't really need to know Athens. It's not part of the story, but 
most people know where Athens is on a map, so I'm hoping that will help. See, I kind of know what Europe kind of looks like, and it doesn't look like this. No, like I say, this is a very simplistic map. Right, okay. okay. I want you to go halfway down the right-hand side line. Yeah, about halfway between Constantinople and Athens, where I've put it. That there is Thessalonica. Thess. I want you to find where Thessalonica is, which I just told you to draw, mm -hmm. and go directly up just a little bit. Someone's like making a mini triangle. Yeah, just, just like, go up. Go yeah. up just, yeah, just there. So you're inland now. Um, and you're up a bit. Okay. Call that place Ceres. S-E-R-R-E-S. -E -R -R -E yep. Then, got three more places we need. Find Constantinople. Got it. Come into the triangle a bit. Along the yep. top line. In a little bit. That's Adrianople. Pop that there. Your Adrianople should be further to the right than Thessalonica and Ceres. So you're only coming in a tiny little bit from Constantinople. It's almost next to Constantinople. Oh, I need a yeah. rubber now. Yeah, you're going to have to move that <laughs> along slightly. All right. I mean, I want this map to be accurate, don't we? I mean, it's already not geographically accurate, but it, it, it will serve the purpose. As long as it helps me, it's fine. What I want you to do now is on the left-hand side of the triangle, this isn't a city, this is just a region, basically the top left side of the triangle, just put the word Serbia. Here? Yeah, top left-hand corner. Yeah. yeah. Got it. And above the triangle, outside the triangle, put Bulgaria. More to the right. Sort of above Constantinople area. Okay, that is all you need to know. Okay. And again, for those of you who already know geographically the region, I apologise for how inaccurate that map actually is. But it will do. Right, okay. Are you ready to go into the Civil War, Jamie? Because that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Andronicus III's dead. He's got a son called John V. Yes. His best friend is now in charge, but yes. the mother of the boy hates him. Yeah. So, let's do this. Andronicus III dies in June of 1341, and Anna of Sausage and her two boys, that's right, she's got two, John V and Matthew, stay in the palace for some time, in mourning. Okay. Now, John Kant Cazinos spends his time at this point writing over 500 letters to the various governors across the empire, just telling them what had happened. Yes, the emperor's dead, don't panic, don't do anything. Yep. Keep on going, we'll send you further information. The funeral then took place in the Hadrat Sophia. Absolutely packed it was. Couldn't fit all the mourners inside, apparently. Had to squeeze them in the edges. It really packed it right up to the dome and everything. Yeah, <laughs> packed them up rather now. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Just stack. Tightly packed in there. It was uh, quite troublesome. It's a lot of work for the goats. It is. Um, oh, no, less work, because... Oh, it's true, the amount yeah. of mourners would offer support for the dome, wouldn't it? Extra bracing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the goats had a day off. It was lovely for them. Oh. Now, by this point, everyone assumed that, yeah, nine-year-old John V is now the emperor, and John Cantacuzinos is the regent until John V is old enough. It just makes sense. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of how it traditionally goes, right? Well, not necessarily, but in this case, yes, it makes sense. John Cantacuzinos had been ruling the empire whenever... Andronicus III was away on business. He'd stay behind in the capital and rule things. He was the obvious person in charge. Yeah. However, there were soon three very powerful people who opposed him. Not all together to begin with, but as you'll see, they join forces. And these are the people who oppose him. Number one, the Patriarch. No. This is a man named Calicus, but I'll just refer to him as the Patriarch to make it easier. He 
is the type of patriarch who believed the emperor only existed to aid the true leader of men, the patriarch himself, God's voice on earth. Yes, he did not like the idea of this, let's be blunt here, competent and opinionated man taking over. He might make (laughs) decisions about the church that were quite frankly wrong. So, the patriarch not happy. Number two, we've already mentioned her, it's obviously Anna of Sausage. She does not like this man whatsoever. You get the feeling it is personal, because there are a few times where you go, that didn't make sense, unless you go, ah, unless she just hates the man. Yeah. So, yeah, she never liked John, and now, understandably, she was worried that John was going to use the Regency to take over and depose her son. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a bit suspicious. After throwing yeah. all that hate, you can't expect it to not come back, are you? Yeah, exactly. So that could well happen. So she's not happy with John. Number three, it is someone we've already come across. It's a man who I asked you to note down. It is none other than Cacao. John's, yes, it's John's close friend and protege, Apokalkos. Now, by this point, Apokalkos was in charge of the navy, sort of. He'd been promised the position just before Andronicus III had died, and he was I'm now writing. Look, I promise. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much was like that. It's like, hang on, I know the emperor's died and everything, but I just want to point out that just before he died, he said I could be in charge of the navy. So I. I mean, I, I know maybe now's not the time, he said to all the grieving people in the Hajj of Sophia, uh, but, <laughs> but I just want it, just so it doesn't get messy, just yes. want it down in writing somewhere, and, I am and in his, charge. Of his hand movie. signed it, look, I mean, I was holding yeah. his cooling hand at the time. But. Yes, but it is definitely his hand, his signature. Yes. Yes. Well, he was worried, so he'd gone to his good friend, John, and just reminded John, by the way, I am in charge of the Navy, aren't I? But at the same time, he also said a couple of things to John along the lines of, and by the way, John, me old pal, wouldn't it be a good idea if you just became the emperor? Do we really need Anna of Sausage and this kid? Let's get rid of them and, like, you, you can rule and I'll be your right-hand man. John Kant was not happy with this. That's treason. How yeah. dare you? John Cantacuzinos was a man of honour, damn it. There's no mm. way he is going to betray his dead best friend. He said he'd look after his son and his wife. Yeah. That's what he's going to do. He let Apokalkos know that he wasn't happy. So Apokalkos realised that he just put his foot in it. And he was worried that he was now going to be left out in the cold. So he gets thinking. And I'll just leave it there for now. So, nothing outwardly happens between John Cantacuzinos and these three people initially. John stayed formally as head of the army. Uh, he did offer to resign the post, uh, but Anna and the Patriarch, who were the only ones powerful enough to stop him, realised that's a bad idea. He's in charge of the army. If he steps down, the army might not be happy. So, OK, yeah. he can stay in charge. So, he stays as head of the army and is acting as regent at the same time. Then, in a genius move, John Cantacuzinos called to him a tax collector that had recently been arrested. Now, this tax collector had been, shall we say, overzealous in his job, and he had um, acquired a lot of money whilst collecting tax. He had been caught, and he had been put on trial and found guilty. Now, usually at this point, they were told to hand the money that they had acquired to the church. Give all the money to the church to wash away your sins. Yeah. Instead, John says, don't give your money to the church. Give your money to all the troops instead. Or more to point, give your money to me so I can give them to all the troops. And Ooh, that is that, quite clever. Yeah, that's what happens. John was able to 
get a demoralised army fully behind him by giving them cash. Remember, the empire is very poor and on its knees at this point. So that influx of money there was very helpful. He's now got the army behind him, if he didn't already. And I bet the Patriarch loved that. Oh, the Patriarch was not happy, <laughs> as you can imagine. So it's with this new, newly moralised, full of vim and vigour army that John left the capital. He didn't want to leave the capital. Obviously, things are politically unstable, but he's got to because the Bulgars, and now you can use your map, look at them, they're at the top of a triangle. Yep. They're threatening to come into the triangle from the north. No, now this that, is our triangle. No, well, stay out. Grr. Now that Andronicus III is dead, uh, John wanted to show that the Romans were still a strong force. So he's going to go and face these Bulgarian raiders and kick them out immediately. And he does a good enough job here. But more importantly to our story, whilst he was campaigning, he also met up with a man called Dushan. Dushan. Yes. Dushan, you might want to pop it on your map, is... The king of the Serbs. So just pop Dushan over where you've put Serbia on the map. He is a very important person in our story today. Now, the Serbians and the Bulgars had been fighting each other recently. And because John was fighting with the Bulgars, he was able to talk to the Serbians and make a treaty at the time. The treaty essentially said, and obviously I'm uh, simplifying this, uh, no invading, all right? All right. Pinky promise? Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. Dushan, Dushan said, yeah, it's fine. We're, we might cross your land a bit because we're fighting the Bulgars. But um, yeah, we're, we won't invade. Don't worry. We'll stay, we'll stay over here on our side of the triangle. Cool. Excellent. Then some amazing news. French nobles in the very bottom part of Greece. You know where Sparta is? In Greece. Yeah, it's right at the bottom of Greece. It's in that little, little bobbly bit right at the bottom. The Peloponnese. I was always in the middle. It's in the middle of that that bottom little little knobbly bit. Yeah, so French nobles who were in charge of that region were fed up of paying allegiance to the West and felt they'd be stronger paying allegiance to the Romans. So why don't we come on over? So this is the very bottom tip of the triangle saying, can we be in the Empire, please? Well, that's amazing. That would pretty much put the whole of Greece back in the Empire. In John's own words, and I can quote him here, we would then be able to find strength to settle our accounts with the Serbians and other foreign neighbours. Interesting that he's putting the Serbians at the top here. Just because he yeah. was fighting with the Bulgars, he realises the Serbians are the rising force here. This Dushan yeah. fella seems like he means business. So yeah. if we've got the south of Greece, that will consolidate us more. We'll be able to fight the Serbians. Now, it's not going to be easy. They'd need to fight for it. Uh, but apparently they'd have local support from the local leaders. So that's mm. great. However, there's a problem. He'd been gone from the capital for too long, and he needed to get back to ensure those opposing him were not planning a coup. He then received a message. Someone opposing him was planning a coup. Damn it! Go and guess who it is. I reckon it's Apokaukos. It totally is Apokaukos. He'd been caught. This is a genius plan. Uh, He'd been caught plotting to kidnap John V the Kid Emperor. Yeah, his plan was to keep hold of John V until Anna of Sausage put Apokaukos in charge as regent. You're looking confused. Just because that would work, could they be working together, surely? Well, at this point, neither of them are happy with what's going on, but they're not working together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Neither of them are happy with John, but they're not on the same side. 
So, yeah, Apokaukos is going to kidnap John Five to get himself the regency. Good plan. Right, Anna finds out about this plot because Apokaukos is betrayed. So she decides to write to John, Count Kazinos. Remember, obviously, she doesn't like John. She no. hates John. Yes. But realise he's possibly the better of two evils here. Because, yes, I don't like John Count Kazinos, but Apokaukos is trying to kidnap my son. And I guess she knows where John stands, like, I absolutely hate you, but... Yeah, yeah exactly. And who is this young protégé of yours? What's he up to now? What's going on? Anyway... And as regent, it's his job literally to protect the king, the emperor anyway, so... Yeah, exactly. So, essentially, the letter was, you need to get back to the capital and do your job. John yeah. Five is under threat. So, Apokaukos then finds out that John Cantacuzinos is heading back to the capital. Not happy because he wants to go to the south of Greece. So Apokaukos flees. He runs away. Then John arrives at the capital. He sat and he had talks with the Empress. John advised that they should be lenient with Apokaukos, which is interesting. Presumably, John still really liked his friend and didn't realise that Apokaukos was uh, looking for ways to one-up him. Yeah. Uh, he hoped that all this was a misunderstanding. So he says to the Empress, that's fine, I'm sure he didn't mean to kidnap your son. Coups happen all the time. Who, who hasn't accidentally said they were going to kidnap the Emperor and yeah. use him as leverage in their own political advancement? Yeah. We've all been there, surely. Yeah. I was there when I was a lad, myself. Yeah, exactly. So, tell you what, let's go lenient on, on Apokaukos. And also, Anna, said John, I've been thinking, how about your son marries my daughter? And then, let's crown John as emperor. Yes, he, I know he's emperor, but let's actually do a service. Let's crown him. And that would neatly tie everything up. That way, there'd be yeah. no discussion over who is the real emperor, because mm. our families would be tied together. We'd be one unit. I would be emperor and your son would be emperor. And he would be my son-in-law. And wouldn't this be great? Yeah? Anna's not happy. No. And this is what I mean by you. there's a couple of times where you go, the only reason why she wouldn't be happy there is if there was personal hatred, which yeah. is what I'm assuming. Because this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This definitely would have just solved everything. Hmm. Um, but Anna is not happy. Yeah, it would be neat, but it would mean that she would then be related to this absolute idiot that she hated but there's nothing she can do i mean john kant's got the real power here uh, so things are put in motion for that to happen and then john leaves the capital he wants to get to thrace and he wants to then head down to the bottom of greece on the way to the army which was stationed in thrace uh, he caught up with apokaukos because apokaukos had been <laughs> captured after he ran and he was just sort of held for a bit until john oh could... hey buddy yeah. how are you doing <laughs> Yeah, the two men talked for a while, and uh, John pardoned his friend, and then just carried on. Almost he... seems foolish, but you know. <laughs> Oh, yes. Very, <laughs> very much so. Uh, Apokaukos, not believing his luck, then heads back to the capital. When <laughs> he was walking there, through the day, he's like, I'm... How did I get away with that? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What if I could do it again? Keep, keeps keeps patting himself. It's like, yeah. no, I've, I've not been run through with a sword. Um, oh. Okay. Goes, goes for a break a slice of bread. So I can taste it. it yeah, I must I'm still alive. be alive. I feel like I've learnt a valuable lesson here. Yeah. I can do whatever I want with impunity. <laughs> yeah. So, once he got back to Constantinople, he found a capital that was very tense. 
Protest had started to erupt in the capital between Junkant Kazinos' faction and the what we call loyalist faction, those loyal to the real royal family. Because uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people in the powerful had opinions over what was going on. Uh, it was leading opinions. to unrest. Now, Apokalkos, I'd like to think, took three steps into the city, looked around at everyone just grumbling about what's going on, and made up his mind. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw my weight behind the Empress and the Patriarch. I'm going to I'm going to get into the Loyalist faction. Yes, John just pardoned me. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that, should he? Uh, so, he went to go and meet Anna. I want to be on your side, please, he said. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yes, I can only imagine what that meeting would have been like. She just, like, hid the sun behind her back. Well, <laughs> yes. think about it. It's like, yes, I'm really sorry I did try and kidnap your son a few months ago, but um, how about we work together? Why not? But he hadn't finished there. Once he'd gone to Anna and convinced her that actually he was on her side, he then went to John Cantacazinos' mother, remember Theodora. Theodora's in the capital. And he went to Theodora and swore loyalty to her son. So he's playing both sides here. Yeah. Yeah. He then went to go and see the patriarch and uh, whispered in his ear, shall we say. I mean, it might have been a full-on conversation, but I'd like to think he whispered in his ear whilst the patriarch was doing a service. John Cantacuzinos is planning to replace you, O wise one. What what you going to do about it, eh? 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 You're not going to do anything, are you? Hey, hey, just just kept poking him. Yeah, in his patriarch hat. Hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You won't do anything. You won't do anything. You can't, can you? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I'm not touching you. Not touching you. Not touching you. What are you gonna do? Yeah, the patriarch eventually has enough of this and agrees. Okay, let's get together. And this is when we see the three people who I mentioned at the start form a triumvirate together. We have got the patriarch, the empress. And Apokalkos. They're going to work together to bring John down. Now, according to Gregoros, one of our sources, the patriarch at this point all but gives up being leader of the church. He moves out of his modest uh, lodgings and he moves into the palace. He yeah. stops wi- wearing the white robes of the patriarch and just starts wearing armor. <laughs> well, not quite armor, but the fancy stuff of the day that proved he was powerful in the political scene. So, essentially, he becomes the regent in all but name. Ooh, okay. Apokalkos is put in charge of the military, and the empress, obviously, is the empress. And it was decided that John was to be stripped of all his titles and declared enemy of the state. So, did you say uh, Apokalkos in charge of all the armies? Yeah, have you spotted the problem? Yeah, the armies that John paid really well and incredibly loyal to him. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they send yeah. off uh, letters very quickly to various commanders to get the army away from John, because obviously John's with the bulk of the forces at the moment. Many of these do work. Uh, they're not all with John, so the army is essentially split uh, between them. But obviously not all of them, because like yeah. you say, John has just paid off the forces. Essentially, that's it. John's out. Yeah. Yeah, he's thrown out. Also, remember, who's in the capital but John's mother, Theodora? Oh, yeah. What should we do with her, they think, while sat around their triangular table? Prison. Yes, prison. Definitely prison. Comfortable house arrest, says Anna. 
And uh, the two men go, yes, comfortable house arrest. And then Anna leaves the room and the two men look at each other and just go, yeah, Yeah. whatever. (laughs) Yes. And they throw her in a cell. Yeah. Yeah. Unknown to Anna, apparently, Theodora was treated very harshly. She was denied adequate food or heat. She soon became very ill. Uh, Anna found out that the patriarch and Apokaukos had done this not long afterwards. She wasn't happy, so she sent a personal doctor of hers to go and treat the the old woman. Um, Take your leeches, take all the blood out of her to make her feel better. Well, yeah, I mean, the doctor packed up all his leeches and headed off to the prison, but once he arrived in the prison, he was told by the guards that if you go in there and treat Theodora, you will be accused of what was becoming known as cantacazinism. Ooh, it's a bit like... Like, it's a bit like the Red Scare kind of thing. Yes, very much like the Red Scare. That says, uh, this is Apokaukos showing his um, political smarts here. He starts spreading this around the city. If you're a supporter of John Cantacuzinos, you are involved in Cantacuzinism. And that makes you an enemy of the state. So the doctor goes, ooh, don't like that. So he just leaves. Unknown to Anna of Sausage. So, that's what's going on in the capital, but what about John? What about Catechazinos himself? As you can imagine, not best pleased. A little bit miffed. Yes, he had he had his not-happy face on, that's yes. for sure. Now, in his eyes, he'd done nothing wrong. He'd been lenient on those who had worked against him. Yeah. He had done his best to look after the Empire and keep yeah. his promise to his friend by looking after his friend's son. Yeah. This is full on opprobrium. Yeah, and uh, and they just outlawed him and imprisoned his mother. Damn them. What's Mama had to do with it, any of this? <laughs> exactly. It was bad enough you outlawed me, but you brought mums into it. <laughs> Never bring mums into it. No, that's below the belt, man. Yeah. Now, fortunately for John, and as you very quickly realised, a large number of the troops were still behind him. And they declared him the true emperor. Something oh, that... Yeah, something that John wasn't too happy about. It's like, uh, uh, I'm kind of... Literally the entire time I said, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm not. But, uh, okay, um, realising his power was falling apart, he accepted being declared emperor. He wasn't crowned, but he accepted being called emperor. Uh, And here, there was an omen, by the way. Omen time! Yeah, um, he was given some imperial robes. That's not an omen. Well, uh, wait, wait. The imperial robes, are you ready for this? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Got up one night and declared what would happen over the next three years. No, I'm making it up. That would have been an omen. What actually happened <laughs> was the clothes did not fit him very well. Well, we've all bought things from Primark that haven't quite fit properly. Yes, but um, did yes. you buy something where the undergarment was a little bit too tight and the outer garment too loose? I've I've accidentally... You know that you get those boxes that are like the really tight skin fit ones? Yeah, yeah. I accidentally bought a pack of those once without Ooh. checking. And you were like, were you snug? Oh, yeah. I, I, I tried them on, no. And, no. Uh, well, unfortunately, these are imperial garments. He can't change his mind like you did. So oh, for dear. the rest of the episode, just imagine John is snug. Ooh. A little bit too snug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not mm. good. Um, yeah. So, what does it mean when your inner garments are too tight and your outer garments are too loose? Nothing. No, it obviously means that his reign would be hard to begin with, but ease up later on. <laughs> it's like a new pair of shoes. 
Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. I hope you uh, enjoyed our omen for the episode. That's the only one we get. Anyway, John made sure it was very clear. He was one of two emperors, sort of. I'm regent, I've not been great, it's all a thing. But you know what? Yes, I'm emperor. People are calling me emperor, whatever. But this is important, everyone. Little John V is also the emperor. Mm. I'm not trying to usurp him. He is the son of my best friend. Okay? We're emperors together. Loyalty. Yes, exactly. If he was hoping that this stand would pull people over to his side, it wasn't particularly successful. People had already decided what side they were on. Battle lines were drawn. And uh, this is where we see something fairly unusual. Now, whether it's because we're particularly well-sourced at this point, or maybe it's just a sign of the times, we're going to see something that we have not really seen at all in the entire Roman series. Ostriches. No, we've seen ostriches, haven't we? No, we've seen ostriches. We haven't seen a giraffe. We haven't had a giraffe yet. It's not giraffes. Damn it. It's, um, in fact, it's quite far away from giraffes. You'll see how far away. Polar bear. <laughs> You'll see. Outside of Constantinople, the powerful, who owned all the land, were mostly supportive of John. After all, John had he, been ruling... He's one of theirs as well. Yeah, John is a member of the powerful. He'd been ruling for years with Andronicus III. It had done them no harm. Status quo seems fine with us. We support John. And after all... Misogyny of the Romans, we don't want that woman and a child in charge. Yeah. Many of the powerful in the capital also agreed with this, but obviously they were accused of cantacazinism. So they were either chased out the capital or arrested. Yeah. Then you've got the loyalist side. And Apocalcos had managed to tap into something that the rulers of the Romans very rarely dabbled with, because it is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And it is not giraffes or polar bears. Damn it. It is the power of the people, Jamie. It's the poor. They don't have any power. Well, Apocalcos had ran with the term cantacazinism, and accusations were running rampant. And as I'm sure you've noticed, the empire is in a state at the moment, and has yeah. been for some time. And mm. the people who lose out during civil strife is the poor. And this time, there were many who did not want another civil war. They could see another civil war coming, and they'd only just got over the last one, and everything was a mess anyway, and can people just stop fighting? Can all you posh people just stop fighting? I'm trying to grow my turnips, okay? So, they were fed up. They were fed up of their land being treated as a plaything by the nobles. Apocalcos taps into this and was able to get the poorer people across most of the empire to somehow think that the child emperor and Anna of Sausage represented them. Now, obviously, they didn't really. They were mm. part of the powerful elite as well. But remember, Apocalcos grew up humble roots himself. Yeah. And he'd risen through the ranks. So he was obviously using some kind of skill here that we don't get a huge amount of detail uh, with, but get the feeling this was something that was naturally happening and Apocalcos really fed into it. Yeah. So... Yeah, his message was very clear. The rich want John Cantacuzinos, so you guys should want the other guy. Doesn't matter who he is, you are anti-Cantacuzinism. You don't see this much in Roman history. No. We've come across it a lot in our American series, and it's yeah. still happening to this day. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's what's going on, and it's very effective. Once John was declared emperor, the governors of Adrianople were very happy, and that's where he was declared. So if you look at your map, he's really close to the capital in yeah. Adrianople, yeah? And he is declared emperor. The rulers of Adrianople are really happy, but the average Joe of the city were not impressed. Rioting broke out, 
the houses of the powerful started to be burnt down. It's this full-on revolutionary type stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Gregorus, one of our sources, says the emperor is split into two, and I quote him here, the wise and the foolish, the distinguished and the mean, the educated and the boorish. You can tell Gregorus was part of the powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or in other words, the rich and the poor. Now, obviously, it is more complex than this, but it is an interesting fact that this dynamic is occurring in the Civil War. Because like Mm. I say, it doesn't come up a huge amount. No. In fact, the closest we come to it was the slave rebellion in the... uh... Uh, That's what I was very much uh, uh, reminded of whilst doing my research. And that is pre-Empire. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, John sends envoys to the capital. I'm still prepared for everyone to forget all this has happened, by the way. This is escalating very quickly. Look, just say I'm not outlawed. I'll come back. We'll work together. I'll even take off the purple robe. Yeah. Those envoys that he sent were arrested for cantacazinism. I I literally, I I was just given a letter from the field. I I have a family. (laughs) Let me go. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't, no, don't shoot them. Oh, God, you're going to shoot the messenger. I'm the messenger. He delegated that day. It's okay. Oh, he's on holiday. (laughs) Roger knows when to delegate. (laughs) (laughs) Roger took one look at the missive and went, I think this is uh, one for you. (laughs) Sent his little protégé off. And he hid his, I'm I'm a cant badge. (laughs) Yes. That's what supporters wore. (laughs) I'm a complete and utter cant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in the capital... (laughs) All of the loyalist posters are going up just saying, don't be a cant. Yeah. <laughs> Propaganda. It was, it was very effective. It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, in the capital, in response to John being declared emperor, the boy emperor, John V, age 10 by this point, was crowned. Which, remember, oh. was John Cantacuzinos' idea anyway. So they yeah, crown yeah. him. It's like, oh no, yeah. uh, John V is emperor and he's been crowned, not just declared. And that's quite good politically because now it's like, now it's John against the empire. Yes. Even more so. Exactly. And then, Jamie, it snowed. Cool. Yeah, snowed a lot. That's unusual. Yeah, it was a very cold winter. Uh, Everything stopped. That's how much snow there was, Uh, including John's mother, like completely. Don't be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't walk into like a patient's office and say, oh, yeah, yeah, my intro, funny, my watch has just stopped. Just like your family. I'm sorry. That's a tragic car accident, Tums. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, it was blunt, uh, but it's true. John's mother dies in a cell. Uh, of exposure um uh, not not good <gasps> did she look like a snowman afterwards probably uh, according to our sources anna wavered at this point remember she uh, apparently she wasn't aware how theodore was being treated upon hearing rumor that john cantacuzinos was still happy for their children to get married and call the war off she wondered <laughs> maybe that's the right thing to do do we actually want to go to a civil war over yeah. this Right, guys, No messengers come in. No one mentions his mum. <laughs> we don't yeah. bring that up. What we do is give this letter offering a ceasefire and sort everything out. Yes, yes, don't mention the mum. Well, that that was exactly what Anna wanted to do, but Apokalkos heard of this and vetoed it immediately. Oh, no, no, no. I've been preparing for this war. We are having this war. So the snows melt. Uh, John decides to move first. His plan is to move to Thessalonica. That's on your map. 
Yes. This city is being ran by a supporter of his, one of the powerful. It is the second city of the empire, so he's going to go there, raise his troops some more, and then march on the capital once he was stronger. But there was a problem. The feeling of anti-Kantakazinism had swollen throughout the winter, and the poor had overthrown the leaders in Thessalonica. So once John arrived, he realised his friend was no longer in charge. The city was being ran by a collective of revolutionaries, who became known as the Thessalonican Zealots, or just the Zealots. You can't call yourself a zealot. It never has. It doesn't have a good connotation. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. Um, but yeah, just know you can even put a little Z next to Thessalonica. That is now being ran as a semi-independent city-state by the Zealots. Now, what confused John was that they hadn't thrown their weight behind the loyalists. The poor seem to have just decided to rule themselves and not but, swear allegiance to any of the two factions. But they can't do that. How will they know what to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, arguably, this is the first time we have ever seen this in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it is. Well, it's certainly the first time I've mentioned something like this. Um, I don't want to go on record and say this definitely is the first time it's happened no. in Roman history, but it's the first time I've come across it. You do sort of almost forget that there were poor people around at the time because history yeah. is obviously about the rich and the powerful. So Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're actually making some waves in this episode. Yeah. I should say, when I say the poor people, I'm not talking peasants here. I'm just talking not part of the rich elite. Middle class and can, below. Yeah, as you can probably guess by them being called the zealots, there was a, a lot of the religious faction of the city uh, part of this. But anyway, Thessalonica ruling themselves. So, it's around this point that Apocalcos suddenly turned up with his troops, and he was flying the anti Cantacuzenos banner. Now, Thessalonica welcomed him. Now, they realised they were going to have to actually choose a side. They didn't want to, but mm. they they have no forces, and there are two yeah. armies outside their city. <laughs> okay, um... we need to choose a side. Okay. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Right. Fine, we will join the loyalists, they said. Now, we're not, we're not saying we're part of the Empire, but we acknowledge that John V is the Emperor. Okay? Great. So, John Cantacuzenos is forced to retreat. A period of fighting follows that I will gloss over. It's mostly small skirmishes between um, Cantacuzenos and Apocalcos. Uh, the two men circle each other for a bit. Like cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just doing the big screechy thing. Their hair rising. Uh, yeah, no one gets a decisive blow, however. Uh, the momentum was with Apocalcos, though. John is on the back foot here. People yeah. start to desert John. In fact, his supporters dwindle down to just 2,000 men. That's all he's got. <laughs> he no longer has a base, sort of. His family, by the way is in a city just outside Adrianople on the map. He can't get back to it, because no. Apokalkos now is in that region. So he's on his own with 2,000 men, basically just in the breeze. Now, desperate, he realised if he continued like this, he would be wiped out sooner rather than later, so he makes a decision. He and his 2,000 men would leave the empire and head into Serbia. Well, he, didn't he make a deal with the Serbian... Exactly, yes. He had had dealings with... Bershan. Dushan, yes. He, uh, he'd uh, had dealings with Dushan from Serbia. Dushan. Yeah, and now the Serbian leader saw an opportunity. He said to the emperor in exile, if you promise me a large part of Macedonia, for argument's sake, let's say that is the middle of the triangle, 
sort of. <laughs> it's a very bad map. Uh, but if you give me a big chunk of the triangle, we will help you fight Constantinople. So John spends a couple of months with Dushan in Serbia, trying to raise some troops, and eventually feels like it's now or never. The plan is to march on Constantinople via several cities, including where his family are. Now, you might want to put this on the map because it is important. It needs to be very close to Adrianople. This is Didi Motikion. Didi Motikion. I am butchering the pronunciation of that. I know I am. Let's call it Didi Town. Didi Town. Diddy Town, let's call it Diddy Town, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a small garrison city just outside Adrianople. Technically, it's still his because the, the, his family and some troops loyal to him have holed themselves up inside Diddy Town. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's completely surrounded. So, John's idea is march across essentially the top of the triangle, go past various cities, get them onto his side, get to Diddy Town, rescue his family. Uh, and then see what happens. That's the plan. But they got caught on a snag. The snag is the very first city they attempt to take, and that is Ceres, which is on your map that I got you to draw. Yes. Yeah. They head there, and they cannot take it. It turned out the revolt was very strong there. The city was not going to go down without a fight. And on top of this, illness sweeps the camp at this point, and Yay. news comes through that Apokalkos is waiting for him with a large force just a little bit further on. Literally down there. They can see them over the hill. So. Yeah. yeah. They're all peeking over the mountains. Yeah. You can just see their hands and their eyes just peering <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, John realises he's, he, he can't win this. Uh, he gives up. He goes back to Serbia to regroup once more. This was too much for most of his men, however. Uh, they start a slogan, which is, we would rather go to hell than Serbia. Uh, which uh, I can only imagine Serbia would not use as a slogan for their tourist board. Possibly not. No. I, Serbia, I'm sure, is a lovely place. Uh, mm. But the troops did not want to go there. No. No. Uh, a large portion of his meagre 2,000 men mutiny. He has reduced to 500 men. That's two thirds of his army. No, three quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's wow. got he's got practically nothing left. With his tail between his legs, he limps back to Serbia. When he was there, his new friend, Dushan, informed him he had received word from Anna of Sausage. Anna would give Dushan large amounts of cash if he turned John over. You. I'd like to think there was a big long pause there. And by the way, I'm now picturing Dushan as Brian Blessed. <gasps> yeah. I, I like to think there was a big long pause. And then yeah. Dushan just lets out a huge, big belly raw laugh. And then goes, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to turn you in. Yeah. Dushan doesn't want this civil war to be settled. He wants the Romans to be fighting themselves. Yeah. So he is going to support the underdog. That's yeah. his decision. But, I mean, all hope seems to have left. Uh, John's got nothing. He's got 500 men and the support of a man he deep down knows actually doesn't care whether he wins. He's also got and Jeff he, with him, so that, I mean, that's like yeah. having 500 take away 200. Yeah, essentially. But then Roger turns up with a letter. Hello, sir. This is word from Thessaly, which is a region sort of near the top, sort of, again, in the middle of a triangle. That's not hugely important. It's just a region in the empire. Not, not everything can be in the middle of the triangle, Rob. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the triangle, apart from Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
a region just below Thessalonica. That's that's where we are. Um, the province had managed to get a grip on all these bloody poor people running around trying to revolt. <laughs> and now that some members of the powerful were now in charge of the area once more, they wanted John as their emperor. Could you send someone to govern the province, please? That would be great. We're on your side. So John chooses his cousin, a man named John Angelos, and uh, off he goes. Excellent. I'm reduced to nothing, but I've suddenly got a province. And obviously that means men, because that province will yeah. supply men. And Excellent. Some, some sort of wealth as well and resources. Yeah, exactly. This is this is great. It looked terrible, but maybe the tide's turning here. So encouraged by this, he sets off once more. Again, he could not take Ceres. He arrives at the city. It's too strong to take. Again, the troops supplied by Dushan just desert him at this point. Uh, interestingly, the reason why they deserted him is they feared that they were being led to India. Is this the Indo we know today, or is it uh, another as, name for... As far as I could tell, uh, I can only assume, and this is pure speculation, I'm probably way off here, but I do wonder if it's stories of Alexander the Great and how he led his troops all the way to India, and that's yeah. what happened when you went fighting off in the East. And the troops were like, oh my god, you're taking us to India! And I can only imagine John was like, no! <laughs> I okay. just want you to fight in this region, please. Like a spooky ghost story kind of thing. It's like, yeah. It's like, you see that city literally right there. That's all I want you to do. Can you take that? I'm not taking you to India. Oh, you've gone. You've all Jeff, gone. Jeff! Jeff, don't Great. say... Oh. Jeff, was this your fault? No? <laughs> Jeff's just standing next to a Welcome to India sign that he's just painted. Um... <laughs> Anyway, for a second time, John was forced to return to Serbia. Again, his troops were very unhappy. More desertions follow. I'm not sure what the number is at this point, but he is reduced to a skeleton staff. It, it is just him and Jeff. <laughs> and the chef. <laughs> yes. Oh, and Manic Dave. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. He's, he's like the guy, he enjoys fighting a bit too much. Yeah. He's there with like a double-handled axe in one hand yeah. and, a, and a sock in the other, and you have no idea what he's doing with that. His room at home is just full of war memorabilia. Uh, not because <laughs> he's interested in history, he just likes sharp, pointy things. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of expressive art. <laughs> Anger! A <laughs> <laughs> lot, lot of red paint used. Yeah, yeah so, so Manic Dave, uh, Jeff and the chef are with him. The chef, by the way, is just Jeff in the chef's hat. Oh, it's Jeff's brother, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's what he's down to. Uh, but don't forget, it's fine because he's, he's got Thessaly, he's got this province. It's going to be okay. But it looked to everyone like he's lost here. Back in the capital, if you go over there, the Patriarch and Anna were literally celebrating. They've won the Civil War. Apokaukos, with his troops, stayed alert, but assumed victory. So dire was John's plight that it would appear, in Diddy Town, his wife gave up. Oh. Yeah, we are all going to die, unless we get help. Now, obviously, my husband's not coming. Where can I get help from? I know, she thinks. I'm going to write to my family. Remember where she came from? She was the great-granddaughter of the Tsar of the Bulgars. Oh. Yeah, so she writes to the Bulgars. Don't suppose you could come and help me. I'm trapped in Diddy Town, and I'm going to die soon, as are my children. The Tsar of the Bulgars read this letter and decided now would be a perfect time to go and raid Diddy Town and the region around it. The Romans <laughs> are clearly really weak right now. 
Thanks. <laughs> yes. Well done. Yeah, word reached John that his wife and his children were in trouble, and he did the only thing he could think of. He wrote to his old friend, Uma. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now, he had resisted doing this. Getting Turkish troops in a Roman civil war would not look good. It would look no. like a foreign invasion. Well, it's all of that already, to be honest. could almost get away with the Serbians because, well, the Serbs are a Christian. You could almost argue that it's fine. But, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, really, the Turks, can I use the Turks? But he's got no choice now. His family are about to be slaughtered. So he writes to Umar, can can you help at all? Umar was more than happy to lend a hand. He got on really well with John, remember? So he turns up with a bucket load of troops. Uh, The numbers are hugely (laughs) exaggerated, but we're talking tens of thousands uh, if oh. we can believe the numbers, probably not that high, but uh, that's why I use the phrase, military term, bucket load. I, I, um, I like to think he came out of his tent and said, like, the rimmer kind of like, oh, splendid, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the Bulgars all flee. Off they go. They flee back to Bulgaria. Just to be clear here, by the way, John is still in Serbia. Yes. Uma has gone to Diddy Town. Ooh, the Bulgarians are heading there. Well, no, no. Umar chases the Bulgarians off. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Can you see why I've done a map? It does get confusing. Yeah. So, it's great because now the, the, the Turks have, have Digitown. It's good. Good for them. Well, yeah. Well, the Turks are on John's side. But yes, you've hit the nail on the head exactly there. Uh, they need supplies. So obviously, they raid the local area for supplies. And to many people who live there, think of good old Joe the farmer. Well, this is just a bunch of Turks. They were my turnips, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is just a foreign invasion. That's what it seems like. Get your hand off my hoe. (laughs) Don't laugh, it's the farming one. (laughs) So uh, then, after a couple of months of this, Umar then collects up all his troops and decides to go meet up with John. And then we can fight together, he thinks. Uh, But then it snowed a lot. Not again. Yeah, it keeps happening. Uh, Winter hit hard. The Turkish troops were not used to this, and many died of exposure. So Umar got the hell out of there, fled back to home. That's that's an army that needs some long johns. Exactly. Uh, John, good segue, at this point, (laughs) he was pleased... Umar had solved the immediate problem, but it was a shame that his reinforcements had gone. But it was better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. The weather warmed up. John started to slowly see the tide was turning. Other cities were starting to declare for him. Not because John was doing well. John, obviously, as we can see, was in dire straits. But slowly, the local powerful were taking back control of their cities that had been under revolt. And as soon as they did Ah. that, they were declaring for John. So slowly and surely... He was gaining more troops, gaining more support, gaining more land. Momentum. Yes. It wasn't before long that most of the cities in Macedonia and Thessaly, I'm just going to say most of the middle of the triangle, uh, started to come over to him. Uh, He'd already secured the allegiance of Epirus, that is the left side of the triangle that we've not really talked about much. Um, So, yeah. So a large portion of Greece is now on his side. In fact, he seems to be doing well enough that he decides maybe it's time to go and take Thessalonica, the second city, like he originally intended. Now remember, the Zealots have Thessalonica at this time. Dushan, at this point, receives word. John's doing really well all of a sudden, and Dushan doesn't like this. Dushan doesn't want anyone to win, he wants the civil war to carry on going. So, Dushan... 
sends word to John and says, I want all my troops back that you've been using, please. So John loses all of his Serbian troops just as he's about to try and take Thessalonica. Yeah. Not ideal. And then Apokalkos arrives with his troops from the sea. Remember, Apokalkos was in charge of the navy, so he's got the fleet. Yes. John suddenly found himself outside of Thessalonica, pretty much surrounded by the enemy, with no backup because Dushan's deserted him. This looks bad. Uh, yes, he was doing better than he had been, um, but he hasn't got the numbers yet to face Apokalkos in battle. No. Apokalkos realises this and sends word to John. Surrender, give up, and maybe I will be lenient. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it is Editing Rob here. Uh, I'm just jumping in to give you a little bit of context here, because for the last, I'd say, 20 seconds or so of recording, uh, Jamie seemed distracted, and it soon becomes clear why. Uh, He had had enough of the vague geographical triangle of knowledge, and uh, he decided to look up an actual map whilst I was talking. Uh, And uh, he then challenges me. Usually I'd leave this stuff to the end, but uh, I'm just going to put it here. So here we go. Can I just say I did a quick look at Google Maps as well? Oh, yeah. Just to look at the area. What? I told you, it's not geographical maps. It's not a map. Don't use the word map. That's an insult to all maps. It is simple enough for people to imagine in their heads if they're listening to a podcast. But Athens isn't even the right place. It's roughly in the right place, James. No, it's, it's not. The bottom. It should be on the left side. What? No, it shouldn't. Yeah, it does. There's, there's Constantinople on the right, and then yeah. Athens should be on the left. It's like, duh, 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 Athens like there. No, Bulgaria's in the middle and between them both. If people know what it really looks like, they can use that. If not, you can use the imaginary map that makes sense in Don't my call head. It a map. It's diagram. a guide. Guide. A diagram guide. We'll just call it the triangle. How about that? Yeah, that's... The I... triangle of vague geographical knowledge. Yeah. So I, cause I, I, I just sort of took your word for it then. I just, I just got a bit curious. Like, actually, oh my, no. But I maintain that Athens is on the right coast of Greece. Yes, but it's not under Constantinople. No, it's down and left a bit, which is where it is on that map. It's, it's, it's down and quite left a bit. It's, yeah, it's a, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting distracted. Sorry. Yeah, you might just, just cut all that. You, know, you didn't complain about my square Spain. Yeah, but that makes more sense. It is sort of square. Yeah. It's... Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> right. I don't know. Anyway, so, Apokalkos <laughs> sends word to John, surrender or else, okay? Yes. John ignores this, obviously, but he is worried. Apokalkos then sends an assassin. He thinks this is a good time to just end it here and there. Unfortunately, I could find no details on this assassination attempt, apart from the fact that it fails. But it is only a matter of time. It looks like John's about to fall. But what's that, Jamie? Giraffe. No, not a giraffe. It <laughs> is... It's it's probably not even a, a horn either, but no. it's, let's say there's a horn. Everyone looks over the sea, and what's that coming over the horizon? It sails. Ooh. It's a Turkish fleet. It's Umar once more. Hooray! Hey. He's back. He went home. Everyone warmed up a bit. Sat by the fire. <laughs> defrosted. Yeah, defrosted, got a bit more toasty, and then they got in their ships again, and they're coming straight back. Hooray! Hey. Abakalkos couldn't risk the fleet, so he retreats, takes the fleet away. So just like that, John is saved. 
and he sees his chance to take the city. Uh, but the Zealots are still in control of this practically independent city-state, and John realises this is maybe a distraction. After all, what do I really want to do here? I want to get to Diddy Town and rescue my family. I mean, so, they've been there for 12 months now. <laughs> um, 18 Oh, even worse. Yes. <laughs> so, Imagine an aide tapping on the shoulder. It's Beatine, <laughs> sir. <laughs> She's going to be mad. <laughs> yep. So with support of Uma, he realises that they can cut a path to Diddy Town. And he does. He's welcomed there like a returning hero. And the dynamic of the war changes at this point. Instead of an exiled emperor being on the run, he is now a couple of days' ride from the capital with a reasonable force and support from a large portion of the empire, mm. with reinforcements yeah. from Uma. Uh, however, both sides by this point are completely desperate. Money is running short. The Genoese were fighting the Mongols over trade in the Crimea, which we don't need to know particularly about the details on that, but it does have a knock-on effect on trade in the capital. Everyone is struggling for money. Anna, in the capital, is forced to sell the crown jewels to Venice to raise money. Like, literally, the emperor's crown is sold to Venice. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Not good. Good for collectors there, though. Yeah, good for collectors, yeah. Fighting in the area between Diddy Town and the capital continue. Uh, Lots of skirmishes take place at this point that I will gloss over. There are no clear winners. But if you lived in the region, if you were a farmer, oh, you were screwed. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you might as well just move because the the whole place is just destroyed by all the fighting that's going on. Eventually, Umar had that to return. Employees home. wouldn't turn him. Yeah. Well, eventually, Umar's got to return home once more. He can't spend all his time just fighting in the Roman Empire. Uh, Abkalkos saw this as a chance and attacked Diddy Town, but the attack failed. Uh, but yeah, fighting is fierce but small. What was worse for Anna and the Patriarch at this point is a man named Fatates defected to John's side. Fatates was a relative of the Patriarch and a commander of a garrison in Thrace. So, huge portion of troops go over to John's side, but also relative of the Patriarch. Haha, they're losing numbers. Mm-hmm. But then it got even better. John then received a letter from the son of Apocalcos. This was Manuel Apocalcos. I am Manuel. Yeah. Manuel was in charge of the city of Adrianople. Now, if you check your triangle of vague geographical knowledge... Yes. Look how close that is. It's very close. Very close. Look out the window, you can see it kind of thing. Well, I mean, if I check on Google Maps, it's like a thousand miles away. (laughs) (laughs) The letter essentially said, I'm fed up with my father. Do you fancy Adrianople? I'll give it to you. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Doesn't quite work out that way. John wasn't able to take the city. Uh, Manuel wasn't able to just hand it over. Uh, But he does defect, and Abkaukos' son defecting to the other side also was great propaganda for John. Yeah. So John surrounds Adrianople with some troops and moves on himself. By this time, most of the empire has got behind John. Constantinople is essentially cut off. Anna and the Patriarch and Apokalkos are now in almost as dire straits as John was when he was in Serbia. It's completely changed. Could you argue this has been the smallest the Empire's ever technically been, then? Well, it's the Civil War, so everything that John's got is the Empire. Um, But (laughs) just wait. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) um, 
<laughs> so John, at this point, is so confident he takes up camp within sight of the walls of the capital. Inside the walls of the capital. It, within sight of. Oh, inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's not that confident. <laughs> set up a little tent near, a, near the market a square. Tent, a tent in the throne room. Yeah, yeah. He just unzips it every right. morning, pops his head out. Um, Morning. I might take that throne tomorrow, maybe. Can I have <laughs> some toast, please? That'd be splendid. Thank you. <laughs> well, there's a period of negotiation at this point. However, because communication had broken down so much between the two sides, because they hated each other that much, mm. uh, it was actually a couple of Genoese monks who could only speak Latin, who ended up being the one to start talks. The Genoese wanted all this sorted. They were trying to get their trade done. So so a couple of Genoese monks turn up and go, look, can we just sort this out, please, in Latin? We have a massive backlog in our warehouse. We just need to get rid of. Exactly. Uh, Now, we only get details through John, because he's writing the account here. But if we can believe him, he was willing to talk peace. And Anna was also willing to talk peace. She was scared for the lives of her children, but the patriarch and Apokalkos refused to talk. John admits to plundering the country around the capital so much that it becomes a desert land at this point. Again, if you are an average person, this is an awful time. Adrianople finally falls and, and comes onto John's side. Uh, and then, hey, look who it is, coming over the hill once more. Umar's back. Hooray! Hey! Hey! Uh, hey. Apparently, with 20,000 horsemen this time. He uh, means no business. horses, but no, just horsemen. horsemen. <laughs> yeah, they've all got sticks with wooden horses. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really, it's only a matter of time before John wins this civil war, surely. Yeah. But then, what's this? Roger turns up with a message. Hello, sir. Dushan. He's attacking from the west, and he is attempting to take none other than Sarah's. Remember that city that John couldn't take? I, I, I think, if anything, John would be more jealous. If he's, yeah, if he's yeah, probably it. a bit annoyed. Now, Ceres oh, is... God. It looks like Ceres is about to fall to the Serbians. That's not civil war. That is the Romans losing land to the Serbians. That's just war. That's just war. Now, John had no intention of letting Dushan starting to take territory that yeah. it had taken him so long to get back. So, so John, whose fault it was that this is happening. <laughs> well, he, he yeah. is confident that Constantinople is about to fall over, so he sets off to fight Dushan. And on the way there, he receives another message. Good news, sir. Apokalkos has been assassinated. Ah, splendid. Oh, yes. Apokalkos put his foot in it. Ah, uh, was was Manic Dave? Uh... <laughs> no, maybe it was Manic Dave. Um, <laughs> but uh, Abakalkos had uh, really pushed the crime of Cantacuzenism so much so that they had to build a new prison to hold all the political prisoners. That's never a good sign, is it? It's really not a good sign. Now, if you're going to build a new prison, who should you get to build it? Not the prisoners, builders. No, the prisoners. Forced labour. Yeah, but who should you is <laughs> Who should you builders. is different, but yeah. Uh, probably yeah. supervised by builders, but yes, the prisoners were building the prison. And it was almost finished. <laughs> All we need to put in is the bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abakalkos went to inspect his new prison that was nearly complete, and uh, he walked around, and one of the prisoners who was building the prison saw him, grabbed a block of wood and dashed the general over the head. At this point, all the other prisoners nearby picked up tools and went at it. 
Now, the Kaukos was hacked to pieces. Oh, yes, brutal. Now, the prisoners themselves were then slaughtered by pro-Apokaukos forces, uh, but the damage had been done. John, upon hearing what happened, said, "Okay, that's great news, but we need to deal with Dushan. We need to push on to Serres and defeat him. However, Umar and his other advisors convinced him, no, we need to turn around and we need to take Constantinople. It's ripe for the taking. We might not get another chance this good. So, ignore Dushan for now. Let's go and get the capital. Unite the empire. Then we'll go and fight Dushan. I'm just going to tell you now, it was the wrong choice. I was thinking that'd be the wrong choice because it makes it trickier afterwards. Yeah, by the time they got back to the capital, nothing had changed. (laughs) <laughs> there was no disarray. Anna and the Patriarch had managed to sort it out. I mean, yes, obviously, Apokalkos was dead, but apart from that, everything seemed the same as it was before. Oh, new curtains. Yes, that's been <laughs> yeah. the only change here. <laughs> well, annoyed, John then turns back round to Ceres. Okay, let's go and defeat Dushan. But disaster en route. Umar happened to have with him the son of a neighbouring emir. So there was a, an emirate right next door to his emirate, and the son of that emir was just tagging along with Umar. You know, show the young man the ropes, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have a bit, have this, a bit of fun. Yeah, exactly. We're all having yeah. fun in the Roman Empire, just <laughs> fighting. It's great. Yeah, that, that boy uh, was murdered. And okay. the men who were guarding that boy accused Umar of killing him. Now, as far as I can tell, Umar hadn't killed him, but that was the accusation. Now, Umar realises, oh dear, this is a political yeah. hot potato. Yeah. I I need to get home and make sure this doesn't become yeah. a thing, because the... He uh, slipped! He slipped! Yeah, yeah this is... <laughs> fine. It looks really bad. I know he... I mean, that is my knife, yes, in yes, his back. it um, was my bear trap. It's got my name on, I know. Yeah, uh, but... Um, Anyway, I've got to go. Sorry, John. Um, I'll be back when I can. Bye. Tally who? So John just straight away lost all those men on the hobby horses. Yeah, <laughs> not great. He realizes he does not have the strength now to fight Dushan, so instead he goes back to Diddy Town, and then the tide starts to turn once more. The relative of the patriarch who had defected. Remember, I told you the relative of the patriarch defected. Well, he defected yes. back. And then several cities in Thrace start defecting back, and it looks like the tide is turning once more. And then word came through, Dushan had indeed taken Ceres and lots of cities around it. In fact, a large portion of Macedonia was now taken. That is so not fair. And it gets worse, he had declared himself emperor. I'm Emperor. <laughs> yeah, says and John. And John 5. I'm Emperor. Yeah. Well, John at this point realises that's a problem. Okay, we need to make sure everyone's really sure I'm Emperor. You know how I didn't want you to call me Emperor, so we just said I yeah. was Emperor and we didn't have a big event where you put a crown on my head? Yeah. Right, get the crown out, get the crown out now and put it on my head. I yeah. am Emperor. So he is crowned as Emperor. And then an interesting message arrives. It's from Orhan probably don't remember Orhan because a lot of names have gone about, but this is the Sultan of the Ottoman Turks. Oh, the chair people, yes. The chair people, yes. I hear, said the letter, (laughs) your good friend Umar had to leave suddenly on some terrible business. Would you like a hand? We're a bit bored over here, and we hear it's great fun fighting in Rome at the moment. (laughs) It's like a Um, pick and mix. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Tell you what, uh, why don't I marry your daughter? And... The Ottomans will become a vassal of the Roman Empire. How about that? Lots of love. <laughs> yeah, lots of love. Orhan. This, this was too good an offer to turn down. It's like, what, 
The Ottomans who have been causing all this trouble are now offering to become one of our vassals, essentially become part of the Roman Empire. Did, and he didn't say that, though, did he? Yeah, that's what he said. Oh, then yes. Orhan said, I will marry your daughter and we will become your vassal state. Oh, fair enough. Uh, that's uh, what, Why? Yeah, I mean, it's too good to be true, almost, isn't it? Yeah. Far too good to turn down. It's like, yeah. daughter, come here, your father wants to speak to you. <laughs> yes, um, very much. That's exactly I, what happens. <laughs> I, I need you to get in the carriage. Don't ask why. Um, it's a bit of a long trek, but when you get there, you'll find out the why I've sent you and... Not quite. There was a yeah. weird wedding to begin with. A weird wedding? Was it themed? No, the groom wasn't there. That's why it was weird. That's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, as I mentioned earlier, the whole Muslim Christian thing. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, <laughs> some clever people got together and figured there'd just be a lot less tension politically in the marriage if the bride and groom weren't actually together when they got married. <laughs> Is there just like in the massive church, just the, the beautiful bride, lovely white dress, then Jeff on his hands and knees, hung up a wooden spoon with a smiley face on? Um, not quite, but you're not too far off. It was oh, a ceremony dear. involving the bride. Uh, and it, was not a, it was not a Christian wedding, but everyone just glossed over that because it's dire straits. But obviously, there were people who were grumbling about this. Anyways, there we go. Brilliant. Uh, Orhan sent some troops over, and John sent his daughter and some cash to Orhan. By this time, Anna and the Patriarch, by the way, completely desperate. They had resorted to several assassination attempts, all of which failed. And then... Anna and the Patriarch fall out big time, Ooh. mainly because they realise they're about to lose. Uh, we don't have the details of why they fell out, but it's not hard to imagine why. Anna always seemed less happy with the war than the Patriarch, and now Apokaukos was gone. It was just the two of them against each other. So perhaps she was suing for peace. Now Anna, showing some political savvy that we've not seen so far, got a whole bunch of bishops together. Tied up, or...? No, just in a room to discuss oh, okay. things. She realised if all the leading bishops in the empire would declare that the patriarch was uh, heretical, then he wouldn't be the patriarch anymore, and he would lose all his power. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of evidence to show he's not. He's not dressing, not doing Yeah, stuff. exactly. He's, he's not acting as the patriarch, so this wasn't too hard to do. Uh, so all the bishops get together. They start talking about whether they should remove the patriarch from office. The meeting goes well into the night when the bishops start hearing some cheering in the streets. Looking out into the street, who's that walking up to the palace? Oh, it is John Cantacuzinos. That, that's oh. who it is. Yes, he has breached the city walls. Yeah. And by breach, um, we just walked through. Uh, pretty much. Seeing the time was right, he had managed to get supporters inside the city to make a hole in one of the bricked-up gates. And uh, he and a thousand men entered the city. Anna blocked herself into the palace. Uh, John didn't want violence. That obviously looks bad. So he gave a speech to the bishops, who were obviously already around, having a meeting about the patriarch. Sorry about all this, he said. Can't <laughs> stress enough how sorry I am for all this civil war business. Terrible business. Anyway, could someone go and tell the empress that I mean her no harm? After all, I am the emperor, and so is John V. We are co-emperors. Like I've said from the start... So why would I harm Anna, the Empress? Anna refused to come out. Didn't believe a word of it. Yeah. After a while, some of John's men, getting annoyed at the soft, touchy-feely approach, uh, just burned down the gates of the palace and forced their way in. According to John, it was actually the young Emperor John V, who, by the way, is now 15, 
This war's okay. been going on for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was John Five who convinced his mother to give in. It's like, come on, come on, mother. <laughs> it's like, we have lost now. So in February, it was signed into law. No one would be punished. Complete amnesty was granted to everyone who fought in the Civil War. No one's to blame. That's remarkably good. Yeah, yeah. For the next ten years, John Kant Kazinos would be senior emperor John VI. And then after ten years, when John V is 25 and a bit more mature, we would be co-emperors together. Oh, and also, John V will wed John Kant Kazinos' daughter, like John had suggested at the start. Let's tie us all together. Essentially, five years, countless deaths and misery all around has passed to get to exactly the same point that we were at the start of the war. Splendid. Yes. So, the Civil War is over. Everyone celebrates. Everything is good. And then everyone dies. Like, tactical nuclear warhead? I'm exaggerating slightly. Not everyone died, obviously. Maybe about half to 80% of people died. Because you might have been distracted by the Civil War, Jamie, but we're now in 1347, and that means the Black Death. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. No, that's too modern. Weren't expecting the Black Death today, were you? No. (laughs) Yeah. And neither were they. (laughs) That's what the doctor said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we have covered the Antonine Plague of smallpox. We have covered the first bubonic plague called Justinian's Plague. Uh, Well, this is the second bubonic plague, and it's the big one, Jamie. It is the Black Death. Yeah. The lowest estimates have it killing three times more than Justinian's Plague, at around 75 million people. And that is the lower estimate. Upper estimates are 200 million people. In Europe, rural areas have 30 to 40% fatality rates. Big cities... 80% fatality rates. And Constantinople is a big city. Now, we do not have time in this episode to go over the misery of the Black Death, obviously, because we've been talking about the Civil War. But just think about everything I've said before, the pits of bodies, the houses boarded up rather than removing the dead, empty grain silos being used as just big dead body dumps, infrastructure falling apart because everyone's dying. Imagine the bring out the dead carts... All of that stuff. I will read one account from the time. Every day we bring our friends out for burial. Every day the city becomes emptier and the number of graves increases. Men inhumanely shun each other's company in fear of contagion. Fathers do not dare bury their sons and sons do not perform the last rites on their fathers. The doctors are left not knowing what to do. This is a huge event that I I do not have time to cover in this episode, so I'm not going to. But oh, oh dear. For a whole year it rips through the city, leaving nothing but death and destruction in its wake. Far, far worse worse than the civil war that's just occurred yeah wow yeah yeah and for everyone as well like every oh, yes. country john not altogether safe in the palace uh, his youngest son dies early on uh, a cousin of his who was in charge of thessaly dies shortly afterwards so members of the royal family are dying as well even though they are the most protected now the black death is moving east to west yeah so Dushan and Serbia weren't hit quite as bad quite as soon, and Dushan takes advantage of this. Cities in the west of the empire fall very quickly to the Serbs. John may have wanted to defend them, but he just couldn't. Uh, Umar, obviously, was busy dealing with his own problems, so he couldn't help. 
and his son-in-law, Orhan of the Ottomans, had not helped things by just sending an assassin to kill John V. Oh. Yeah. Now, just so you clear on the family tree here now, John Cantacuzinos, John VI, he has two daughters. One is married to John V, and one mm. is married to Orhan yeah. of the Ottomans. Yeah. Orhan of the Ottomans sends an assassin to kill John V. John VI finds out about this and writes to Orhan, saying, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you madman. Orhan replied, I'm just doing the, the, the done thing. I'm doing you a favour. This John V is a threat to your power. I am now your son-in-law. I should be doing everything to help you. No! <laughs> you, yes, was fine, apart from well, everyone dying around me. Yeah, everyone's dying. But you're not helping. Everyone's dying. Stop trying to assassinate members of my royal family. Anyway, so that all that's going on. It's not long before Dushan had taken most of northern Greece. He is just cutting through the empire like a hot knife through a plague victim. That's not the only trouble going on. The Genoese, who obviously they've been having their own problems, didn't like the fact that a unified Roman Empire is now starting to look a bit stronger and a fleet starting to build up. Now, this is a little bit after the Black Death. I've skipped a couple of years here. John is trying to rebuild, and he's trying to rebuild a fleet. He realises they need money, and to get money, he needs to control the tax. Yeah. So what he does is he actually lowers the custom duties into Constantinople. This essentially takes trade away from the Genoese. The Genoese don't like this, so they declare war on the Romans and soon arrive with a huge fleet that utterly wipe out the small but growing Roman one. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's Do you the think fleet John gone. sent a message about saying, could I just a bit of trade war? Come on. Let's <laughs> yeah, be more modern. Probably. I was just trying to raise a bit of cash. Oh, yeah. So just like that, the Empire lost any gains they were making on the ocean. And for a while there, it's... Apokalkos, for all his uh, faults, had actually built up the navy quite well. Yeah. It's starting to look quite good. But yeah, that's gone. Um, anyway, um, after the Genoese destroy the Roman fleet, they surrender. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, perhaps took John by surprise slightly. Hang on, you just... Def- you're surrendering? Oh, okay. Um, what do you mean by surrender? Well, the Genoese would pay a chunk of money to the Romans to apologise for the war, and we will promise never to attack you anymore, said the Genoese. Oh, and those custom duties. They go back (laughs) to how they were. We only care about the trade. We are a merchant nation. We don't care about anything else. Those custom duties stay. So, John has lost any advances he's making against uh, the Genoese in a trade war. Uh, He's wiped out there. And Dushan is still advancing. By now, he's got pretty much everything up to Thessalonica. Oh, so all of the south. Oh, he's he's got a huge chunk of the left of that triangle and the middle of the triangle. Oh, no. Uh, The Roman Empire is pretty much just that right-hand side of the triangle, but it doesn't even go all the way down to the bottom. And he's almost taken Thessalonica. Now, remember, Thessalonica still being controlled by those zealots. And the zealots were worried because they figured Serbia would be able to take them. So should they call to the emperor for aid? (laughs) We really don't want to. We don't like the empire. We're pretty much independent now, but we are going to be... Oh, fine, okay. Help, they said. (laughs) Help! But by saying help, it tore the city apart politically. Yeah. Because there were those in the city who didn't want to do it. Infighting yeah. starts in Thessalonica. Meanwhile, John Six and John V head to the city to defend it. They head there together. Matthew, new person. We need to know Matthew. Put a box around him. Matthew <laughs> is John Cantacuzinos' son. 
Have we get an Emperor Matthew? Yes and no. Um, he's not usually on the list, but I'm very tempted to give him an episode. Um, so Matthew is John's son, and as you can imagine, being the son, you'd think you'd be the heir, wouldn't you? But obviously the way things are, John V is the co-emperor. There's no talk of heirs. So there's a bit of tension there. Anyway, Matthew is leading troops with Turkish support, uh, but the Turkish support deserts, so Matthew's forced to retreat, which really annoys Matthew. Uh, but John VI and John V were able to arrive and chased off the Serbian troops that surrounded Thessalonica. They were welcomed into the city, and John spends a few months taking back towns from the Serbian forces in the area. Hooray! Thessalonica's now in the empire again. It's no longer under zealot control. Yeah. And they're getting some forces, some towns back from the uh, Serbians. Uh, Dushan, at this point, is caught up with a war with Hungary, uh, so John found this easy enough. But Dushan soon came rushing to defend the land that he'd recently got. They fight for a little bit, and then they sit down and have a peace treaty, which was then pretty much ignored immediately, and skirmishes continue. Uh, But it was enough for John to be able to return back to the capital, leaving John V in Thessalonica. Now, from now on... I am going to really skim over what's happening. Because we have, as you can see by the time of the episode, we've covered a lot, but we are only about two-thirds of the way through John's rule. Wow. Yeah, but... You did a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's a lot of details because we've got all his writing. There's so much detail. The reason why I'm going to skim over everything is everything that happens from now on, John Six starts to take a back seat. New players come in, and we'll cover the detail in their episode. But just so we know what's going on, I'm going to quickly give you the last third of his rule. Okay, John V, by this point, is 19. Uh, He is left in Thessalonica, the second city of the Empire, and he's left on his own there. Is she no one else? Well, he has some some aides, and unfortunately for everyone, those aides convince him that he's being pushed aside by John VI. John VI actually, said the aides, was probably in the capital right now, declaring Matthew as the heir. You're going to be exiled. So, back in the capital, John Six hears rumour that John V is starting to feel a bit rebellious. In fact, the rumour's worse than that. The rumour is that John V had invited Dushan to come and fight with him. Oh. Yeah. Now, John Six, fearing leaving the capital would weaken his hold, sent Anne of Sausage to go and tell her son off. Yeah, just, just just, give a smack, yeah. whatever. Go, so. go over there, tell your son to pack it in. He best not... <laughs> if Dushan's there, he is in real trouble. Yes. Go and tell him that. So, Anna of Sausage arrives in Thessalonica, and sure enough, there's Dushan. Not in the city, but he's nearby. Oh, oh hi. Yeah. <laughs> you can wave over the wall. Gooey. Yeah, well... And says to Dushan, get out of here, you're not dealing with my son. Which uh, gives you a sense of what, even though he's 19, what John V is like at this point. Yeah. Uh, his his mum's come to tell him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Anne then sets herself up in Thessalonica. She stays there from now on. But the young emperor is sent back to the capital to be kept an eye on. And at this point, it's decided to split the empire. John V is going to be upset and his supporters are going to cause trouble. Let's give him some land, is the idea. So, John V got Thrace and John VI stays in the capital. And then things start to break down a lot, mainly between John V and Matthew, who are of a similar age of each other and did not like each other. 
Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. The two argued uh, and then fought, as in war fighting, not as in arguing. Yeah. Civil war breaks out again. As you can see, I'm now glossing (laughs) over this a lot. We will go over this more in future episodes. On one side was John V, with aid from Serbia and Dushan, and also the Bulgars. On the other side was Matthew, with support from the Ottoman Turks. John VI, by the way, at this point is in Constantinople, trying to maintain the air of an emperor in charge of a squabbling court. This isn't a civil war. This is just people having a bit of a tiff. It's fine. We're unified. It's fine. Oh, God, this is a civil war, isn't it? Uh So, forced to pick a side, obviously he chooses his son. He crowns his son emperor, confirming all of John V's fears. Then, in late 1354, one evening, John Cantacuzinos received news that John V has entered the city. Rioting starts in the streets, buildings were set on fire, no one breached the palace at this point. After three days, John Cantacuzinos hears word from young John V. How about this, says John V. Complete amnesty, just like you did when you entered the city. We will go on as joint emperors, me and you, and your son can be Emperor of Adrianople. How about that? Can be Emperor of the city down the road. Until his death, and then Adrianople comes back into the Roman Empire. Yeah? Okay. Oh, and also, you give me all the key fortifications of Constantinople. John VI agrees to this. He realises he can't fight this, so he agrees. It did take him some time to convince his men to give up the fortifications of the city, but they do. And then about a week after this... John VI monks himself, and his wife becomes a nun. It's not hugely clear what happened. John obviously writes that he chose to abdicate for the good of the empire, figuring if I stay here, civil war's going to keep breaking out. You know what? Give it to John V. It will stop all the civil wars. But realistically, John VI obviously realised he just didn't have the power, couldn't fight John V, so he gave up before he was forced out realising he could escape with his life. So he did. He gave up. He went on to live for years and years after this, being a monk, spent all his time writing histories and stuff, which is why we have the account from him. So there you go. That is John VI Cantacuzinos. He is bloody, bloody interesting. He is, isn't he? Really he is. is. That was like watching a film. Yeah, it was. I wasn't expecting it. No. I saw... um, don't want to give too much away, but John V ends up having a very interesting rule in terms of if you see lists of things, you yeah. go, oh, what's gone on there? I assume John V was going to be the one that was going to cause a huge big episode, but no, John John Six. Anyway, you ready to rate him? Fightius Maximus. This is his round because he did a lot of fighting. Yeah. Even though it was a, uh, it's a long episode and we covered a lot of detail, uh, I need to get across to you how much fighting went on that I just went, oh, and then there was some fighting. Uh, the <laughs> According to one historian, his uh, account of the wars he fought reads as if he believes he was Caesar taking on Gaul, uh, but actually it was just small skirmishes. He's got a point. There was nothing huge here, but there was continuous fighting. So let's just quickly go over a couple of things. Uh, he fought in the coup against Andronicus II when he was the right-hand man of Andronicus III. There was fighting, skirmishes there. He fought against the Bulgars and the um, Ottomans for Andronicus II and then for Andronicus III. Met with mixed success there. He fought against the Albanians when they were politically trying to get Epirus back. Yeah. And he was victorious there. He then politically 
got Epirus when Epirus revolted. Not physical fighting there, but I don't feel like I got across just how he used his uh, political skills there. He went from city to city just whispering in ears until they all gave up, essentially. It was very impressive. Anyway, then he becomes emperor, and he fights a civil war. A long and bloody civil war. There was so much fighting. Like I say, I've glossed over most of it. There are only a few of what you can call full-scale battles. There was at one point that I missed out just to make it simpler, a prince from the west turned up in the middle of the triangle uh, and just declared himself emperor. Uh, And they had to go and defeat him and they fought a full-scale battle against him and he beat him. So there are battles taking place that I didn't even mention. But it was mixed, but he did win the Civil War eventually. So there's that. Uh, After winning the Civil War, he then went and fought the Serbs as the Serbians were trying to take over Thessalonica and managed to beat them back for a while. But it didn't last long. Serbians managed to come back and take most of the land very quickly afterwards. So there is a lot of fighting with some positives, some negatives, mixed bag. Uh, The big loss, of course, is the loss of the fleet to the Genoese, which is perhaps unfair to blame him too much because... The Roman fleet was just not a match for the Genoese fleet. It just was never going to win. Essentially, the Romans became a little bit too powerful on the sea for the maritime superpowers' uh, liking, so they just came along and swatted it. Yeah. So there's nothing he could have done about that one. So no big battles, just nitty-gritty Civil War stuff. But he won most of them. So yeah, you get get a big battle because it's named in history as a big battle, but actually if you're... The kind of fighting he was doing was very important for stability. I mean, you could argue him losing against the Ottomans meant that the Romans lose their last foothold in Anatolia. That's not good. You can also argue, under his rule, a huge chunk of the empire was lost. We're talking well over 50% on a map was lost. Because that's the start of his rule in the end. But that that's the Black Death. They couldn't do anything. Well, it just yeah. destroyed everything. Yeah. I think it's unfair to penalise him in this round for that. Um, I'm I impressed. Do, I don't want to say about any emperor I hated. So I'd say it's probably, yeah. we should probably be a bit kinder. I'm, I, I can't go to the really high marks because there's no amazing personal stories and there's no uh, big, big events. But he's getting a high marks for winning a civil war and winning... No, he essentially won two civil wars. Yeah, one fighting yeah, for Andronicus yeah. II and one fighting for himself. So yeah. winning two civil wars is impressive. I'm giving him seven. I, I, do you know what? My first number I put was eight. You want to go for eight? Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to go for eight. Okay, you go I for eight. I, can, I, I, I think I can justify that. Okay. That's, that's 15. Approvium crazium. Uh, considering how much we've got on him, we have remarkably little in this area. He seems like a very sane man. Now, perhaps, maybe, this is because of what we have on him is mostly written by him. He's hardly going to have written, and then I plucked his eyes out, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Um, I don't know, maybe he would. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, he comes across as very sensible. Did Uh, did he write The Omen? uh, Not not the book or the film, the... uh... <laughs> no, no. Thing. As far as I'm aware, I think that came from Gregorus. I, I'd have to double check. Uh, okay. But no, I don't think that came from him. <laughs> Were you going to give him points if he'd written the omen? Yeah, but no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, let's face it. This tale is full of him giving pardons and amnesties. Mm. He just keeps going. Can't we all just look? Let's fine. Look. You be emperor, I'll be emperor. Joint emperors. Just, why are we fighting? Seems to be the way he comes across the entire time. I mean, that that led to errors. 
in judgment because yeah, you know you let, could argue let, yeah cow cuss whatever his name is yeah i'll forgive you oh you're back again fighting me yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's certainly not worthy of no, uh, points here. Um, the only way he can pick up points, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no crazium, but opprobrium, he did play a major part in a coup against an emperor. And then he did, when he was down to 500 men rather than stepping aside, he did start a civil war. Well, it takes two to tango, but he, yeah, he was part of the civil war. He, he could have stepped aside and saved civil war that by the end of it, nothing had changed. So you can argue that he deserves some points there. I'm going to give him one. Yeah, there's just not much. I'll give him one token point as well. Success ultimate. Okay, we have a surprising amount of detail mm. about his policies and stuff, because obviously he writes things for himself. Uh, but because this is a long episode, uh, we are just going to boil it down to the I didn't even here. consider he have time for policies. <laughs> Oh, well, don't forget, I really skimmed over his last few years because I'm going to cover it in future episodes. I just did the highlights. It's the only way to get the story across effectively. But he tries his hardest. After the Civil War, he tries his hardest to implement changes in the tax to build up the fleet and become... Essentially, he tries to start to turn Rome into a maritime power so he doesn't Mm. have to rely on Genoa and Venice. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> no. <laughs> because, A, those two were maritime superpowers by this point, and they just swatted him. And two, the Black Death. Yeah. Cannot state how big the Black Death is. Yeah. It was absolutely huge. Essentially, he fought and fought and fought and was finally put in charge. And then literally, within months of him winning the Civil War, Black yeah. Death tore through the Empire everything's in ruins afterwards. So he tries his hardest to implement yeah. things, but nothing is working. Uh, he he seems like, in better times, he could have been a good ruler. But oh, yeah, Without if a doubt. we are taking broad strokes, his attempts to stabilise the empire don't work because under him, his co-emperor and his son start a new civil war, the third in decades, uh, the attempts to change the tax laws fail because it is just squashed. Uh, there, there are lots of cases of him changing land laws and stuff, things that we don't usually get the detail of. Uh, and it seems slightly unfair to award him points because suddenly we've got detail. If we look at this broad picture stuff like we usually do, he was not able to save the mm. empire. The empire is worse off now than it was when he started. And it's such a shame because he had so much potential. Yeah, you get the feeling he was a potentially yeah. good emperor. Very good emperor. The tides of history were really against him. He 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 took over a very weak empire, then fought a civil war, then the Black Death. Yeah. Yep. Um so because of that, I really can't give him a huge amount. No. I'm not going into the low low figures because uh he didn't actively make things uh, civil war. Uh. Well, I'm going to give him... I'm giving him three. I was going for four, but you said three. Yeah. That sounds more... No, no, you go for four if you want four. I'm going to go for four. Screw it. Let's give him all the yeah. help he can. That's yeah. seven for successes, which is unfortunate. It really is, yeah. Because I like the guy. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've come out of this episode really liking him and respecting yeah. him. But it's, it's just not working for him, is it? No. Maybe he looks damn good. Image of, Image of. Face, face. We have a really cool image here. I love this. 
because this is an image of him which um, I believe is contemporary. It certainly looks contemporary. Uh, I'll be surprised if it's not. And it's it's two of him. He's there twice. Oh, he's bad. It, it's him twice. On the left is him as emperor. On the right is him as a historian monk. Because oh. remember what I said? He, he lived for years after he abdicated the throne. Yeah. He abdicated the throne in 1354 and he died in 1383. He had a good 30 years of just uh, sort of hanging about, writing histories and being a monk. Yeah. So we get two pictures of him. Uh, on the left-hand side, he's, he's got his big beard and he's got mm. all the regalia of an emperor. Uh, on the right-hand side, he's got a true forked beard and he's doing a little camp wave and he's holding uh, <laughs> some history that he has written. Uh, I really like it. As an image, it is new, it's interesting to have two yeah. of the same person in two different roles. Um, just for originality, he is getting some bonus yeah. points here. Oh, if you want to see the image and you're listening, go on to his Wikipedia page. It's the second image on his Wikipedia page. As an image, I really like it. I'm going eight. I like I was, it. I was thinking eight. That's good. Yeah, that's okay. good. We'll both go so eight. that's uh, four in total. That's four for image facious. Right, believe it or not, he's not going to get much points for rain. We've talked <laughs> yeah. a lot. He does a lot. But I'm going to count his reign as from 1347, when he was first declared emperor, to 1354, when he abdicated. So, that is... Four, five, six, seven... That is seven years, and seven divided by eight, as we all know. 0.88 in this round. That gives him a score of a mere 28.88. He'd have hoped for more. I think he deserved more. Ah, does he? What he went through. Yeah, but this is yet a case of source bias, though, isn't it? We have a lot of information on him, so we can go into the details. And that was a fascinating civil war. I love the ebb and flow. The story of it was really interesting. Uh, So I like the... uh, I I, I just like the emperor because he was part of a good story. But just imagine for a moment that we didn't have the sources. I would have summed up that entire civil war by just saying... He fought a civil war and won. So I mean, yeah. Which really does lead us to a question that is debatable. Do they have a certain His heart was in the right place. He yeah. won two civil wars. Did win two civil wars, one. that's impressive. Winning yeah. one is impressive. Winning two yeah. is spectacular. You could argue though that he lost the third. Because the Third Civil War is more between his son and John V, but he is definitely involved, possibly more so than I've implied in this episode, because I'm saving yeah. it for future episodes. So he, it, two out of three is not bad, though. The fact that you see three civil wars... Um, well, yeah. He, he yeah. had to deal with the Black Death, and he lost things because of that, but again, everyone did in yeah. Europe at the time. Mm-hmm. Um the Empire is worse than when he started. Again, I mean, he is, Black Death would have been a massive part of that. Yeah, he is uh, He is the Emperor who turns up, if you look in uh, articles about the Black Death, obviously Constantinople, one of the most important cities in Europe at the time, Yeah, who's the Emperor, and he lost his son to the Black Death. So, I mean, there's, it's, he's always mentioned when you look up Black Death. Um, I'm really torn here. I, I really enjoyed researching this one. I enjoyed telling the story of that civil war. I enjoy this episode, but does he deserve Jeanne Caesar? I'm going to get a coin. Yeah, absolutely right. Jupiter, quite frankly, has been slacking. He has not made a decision for us for a very long time. I know deep down he doesn't deserve it, but I just like him. So, uh... Um, right, I've got a coin. Okay. 
So, face, he gets it. Bad face, he doesn't Bad get face, it. he doesn't. I'm assuming yeah. you could not find the Totalis rank in the coin. No, I'm pretty sure it's in that draw. I need to look for that. Fair enough. That's okay. We'll pretend this one is. It's an audio podcast. No one need ever know. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay, face, he gets it. Distorted face, he doesn't. And it is, using the power of the internet video... <gasps> I saw it before it fell. He had it. <laughs> yes, he did have it. He got that it. is a yes to Gene Cesar. Poppers. Hard to remember when we used to do that. Mm, I can get time. my kazoo out. Go on, then. give him a blast of the kazoo. Kazoo? That's what they're called now. Okay, that's it from now on. From now on, every time someone gets Gene Cesar, uh, that kazoo will play. They get a kazoo. Yeah. We are never going to hear that kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, I, I honestly thought that was it. I was not expecting John Six to get Jeanne Caesar. I can already hear the Discord and Twitter and Facebook. It's like he clearly didn't deserve it. But I don't like He's, he's likable. He's the kind of person, like, like the, we always said, would you tell people about him? Yes, yeah. I would. Black Death. I'm personally ignoring the fact that he was clearly on the side of the elite and the poor, undertrodden people who just wanted a break just got trodden. But, no. but oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't know about the about, poor from history. Who yeah. cares about the poor, every man? Anyway, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Um, right, well, there you go. Um, thank you for listening to this uh, long episode. This might actually become one of our longest ever episodes, amazingly. Oh. It depends how much I can edit it down. I'm just going to tell you now, this is two and a half hours of yeah. raw footage. I might be able to just get that down to two hours. But uh, the next one, um, I'm going to do Matthew. I'm just going to say it now. He's not usually on the list, but I'm going to do Matthew because there's yeah. not much to say about him. I can tell you what happened at the end of the rule and maybe even mention the Black Death a little bit. Hey, so, brilliant. That's the next episode. Right, well, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for downloading some Popdean, iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon, wherever you download us from. And remember, because we have changed uh, the way we're doing things. Oh, might have only mentioned this in the American podcast. We are changing. We are just, we're sprinting to the end of the Romans to make things easier for my research. So I'm hoping next weekend will be another Roman episode. It is nothing but Romans until we finish. So Roman, 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 we will see you soon. Yes. All that needs to be said is... Get off my turnip! (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye! Well... Sebastian, it is it is uh, very well done. The poster. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you. Apocalcos will be very pleased. It yes. certainly gets the message across. But um, is it a tad rude? No, no, of course, no, of course not. I think it it reflects the modern day current situation. I mean, look at it. I mean, it's got watercolor on the outside. It's got the block print writing on the front. The artistic direction is fantastic. I'm not arguing about artistic direction. Um, Good. It, it's it's the wording. Don't be a... I'm not sure I can even say that last word. But that's his surname. That's how he's known. Yes, but we all know what you're trying to say, and I think it's... Should I bleep that out? Should I censor it right now? I'm not sure, because it really sounds quite rude. No, you can't bleep out can't. But it sounds a bit like... But it's not saying... It's saying can't. Can't is his name. It is not his name. Well, I'm just slightly worried that some... 
sensitive people around Constantinople might see this and it's the wrong message. We are, after all, the family face of propaganda here at Propaganda Inc. Well, that is true, but I think the message is important because it is, it's, it's his name and it is how he'll go down in history. This slogan will go down mm. in history. Don't be a... Okay, fine, fine, we'll have it. Don't be a cant. Okay, and this second poster... Stick this up your... No! Head. 